It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 3814567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 19th, 2017. Uh, we're live on your computers tonight and we're glad that you're listening. My name is Jacob Quinn. My father Greg Quinn is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. And we are on some computers tonight. We're on phones too. I think Kevin's listening uh, traveling uh, somewhere on I-40 tonight, it looks like. Uh, Kevin, glad to have you uh, with us on the road, and uh, keep it uh, straight there, and uh, we'll look forward to... Uh we won't hear Kevin's comments tonight, but thank you for joining us. And thank you for joining us. We look forward to hearing your comments if you're in a safe place. If you're not mobile tonight, uh, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. 877-381-4567 is the telephone number to use. And the chat window to the bottom of your video feed is probably the easiest and best way to communicate with us, although we do love those phone calls if you can give us one. Uh, on an interesting and important subject tonight, uh, but before we do that, I noticed that you've got some new bumper stickers uh, at your disposal tonight. Yeah, we got new. We got we we now have two kinds of bumper stickers available. Uh, one is the sort of oval shape one, like the the runners put on when they run a marathon on the back window of their car. We got some about that size that advertise virtual Bible study. They're a little harder to read, but they get the job done. Then we got some new ones this week that they're just about an inch tall and about 12 inches long. They, and, they, and we tried one on a back window of a car the other day, and it, it looks really good on the back window of a car. So uh, if, if you can use one of those, let us know. We'd be glad to get the bumper sticker out. I got an email from Steve in Texas, and uh, Steve and his wife had asked me to send them one of those oval-shaped ones because they had... Uh, I think everybody knows about these Yeti uh, coolers and tumblers and stuff that are uh, real high-end uh, stuff, very expensive. But Steve and his wife, Jenna, got a, a Yeti tumbler for $0.65 cents, uh, uh, at, at some kind of a thrift store or second-hand store. So that's a pretty good buy, a Yeti tumbler for $0.65. Cents. But uh, I think it had some kind of a logo on it or something. So they asked if they could have another bumper sticker, and they put it on their Yeti tumbler. And, and Steve said... Uh, uh, he, uh, he was at a cafe, got his drink in the, in the Yeti mug. Uh, an individual came up, started talking to me about the website and how he visited it because he saw it on my mug. We wow. got to talking. I showed him how to navigate your page. Anyway, anyway, I got his phone number and hoping that we can have some Bible studies because yeah. he said he was new to town and he seemed very interested. Yeah. See, these so, bumper stickers work. Uh, my uh, wife got stopped in a parking lot yesterday. Uh, lady stopped her and said, you know, I've read through the Bible a lot, but I'm looking for something different. And she said, well, here, get yeah. a card. You, should, you know, they brought up the discussion. And so put it on your yeah. on your, on your your car. Bonnie, you had people stop you, I think, in remote. Monty's when, when you made a big tonight. trip Monty, out west, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we was in Wyoming last time, when we was at Jackson Hole, and I had to go back to the truck for something. And there was a fella with his notepad out writing down to my virtual Bible study bumper sticker yeah, on the back. Go. Yeah, so. we, I, we were in Georgia, something similar. We stopped at a rest area. Guy walks in with us, and we're walking out, and the guy stops. I'm going to ask you, what's 
that about that on your bumper or in the back of your car there. So yeah. it works. Yeah. So and it, and they're free. They're free. So questions it, at collegeu.com. Send us your snail mail address to questions at collegeu.com and we'll get you one in the mail yeah. and uh, you can help us advertise the All virtual right. Bible study. All right. Um, okay. On uh, also, uh, real quick oh, yes, update so, about yeah. uh, just a little over a week away, a week from Saturday, in fact. Uh, the 28th and 29th of January, Ken McDaniel from Springfield, Illinois, will be with us at College View. Uh, we're going to have two lessons on Saturday afternoon, evening, 4 o'clock and 7 o'clock. And then our regular time Sunday morning and then a 2.30 Sunday afternoon meeting. So Ken will be speaking to us a total of five times. We've asked him to sort of focus his lessons toward our young people. It's not that this is just exclusively for young people. We're encouraging everyone to come, but his lessons will be especially focused toward young people. So if you're anywhere within a close driving distance of uh, Columbia, Tennessee, please come and join us. And there's information about that meeting on our collegeview.com website. All right. Look forward uh, to that. So yeah. you want to be here if you can. And and like we usually do, if you if you're not from nearby, uh, we, we don't want to disincentivize anybody from coming. Yeah. But if you're not from nearby, we'll try to get those we'll lessons throw them up in the on podcast the podcast feed for you. But uh, if you can, it's much better in person. So be here. Yep. All right, on to the topic tonight. All right, so tonight I, I, we've got what I think is a very touchy uh, subject. Of, when I say touchy, I mean uh, it it's, hits close to home. Uh, it's, it's a very emotional, hard to deal with kind of question. But it's a reality of life, and we want to talk about the problem of dealing with wayward family members. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm a Christian. I have a family, and they've been Christians too, but now they've fallen away. And and how do I react to them? What do I do? How do I treat them is the question. Unfortunately, it's a question a lot of people have to deal with. Um, I I would be willing to guess that the vast majority of Christians at one time or another are confronted with that. And I'm sad to say I think a lot of people are, are, are missing it. They're missing the boat when it comes to how they should react if they have a family member who, who departs from the Lord. All right. We're going to talk about difficult things tonight and look to the scriptures for those. And uh, uh, certainly we want to be careful how we discuss it because it is a sensitive uh, topic, uh, but certainly one that the scriptures do speak to. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll look to doing that. What uh, what got uh, yeah uh, earlier we, today? Go ahead. Let, go ahead. let me tell you what we got uh, put out to our update list. Uh, get on the update list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say add me to the list. We'll do it on Thursdays. You'll know what we're going to talk about because we send out an email about noon or a little bit before, uh, telling you about our topic for the night and for the discussion. Tonight we sent out uh, these questions to our update list. Number one. Popular radio show Rick Burgess of the Rick and Bubba show recently made headlines for his reaction to the immoral activity of his daughter. And we gave a link to that story. We're going to read it here in a minute. Do you agree with what Rick Burgess is doing? What do you think about his response to his daughter? So that's going to sort of be the springboard for our discussion. He's taking some heat for it. Uh, We'll look at what he said. Number two, what can we learn from the parable of the prodigal son in regards to the actions of the father toward the prodigal? Yep. Of course, the parable of the prodigal sons in Luke 15. Yep. Number three, is there a difference between how we should or could react to a family member who falls away versus some other Christian who falls away? If you think so, explain the difference, especially in light of the passages that talk about withdrawing ourselves from such individuals 
First Corinthians 5, beginning verse 9, Second Thessalonians 3, verse 6, and so forth. And if there is a difference, how far removed in family relationship would the difference apply? In yeah. other words, if it was my wife, or if it was my child, or if it was my uncle, or if it was my cousin, or if it was my second cousin, third cousin, six times removed, Twi- yeah. whatever. Where, yeah. Well, you know, if there, if if you would react to family somewhat different than you would a non-family member who falls away, what would that difference be? And how how far removed would the family member be in order to qualify for this difference in treatment? Okay. Before we get too far into the discussion, I think we need to go to the phone. And uh, if he's still there, uh, Steve from Louisville's on the phone. Steve, are you? Can you hear us? Wait a minute. Wait. I don't know. New equipment here, so we may have something. Hang on a minute. Uh, let's see. Keep going here. Uh, let's let's give it see, a try. See if see if he's still there. Right, let's see. We'll work on that here. I think I got it working. Um, Steve, are you there? Uh, maybe not. Uh, maybe he'll be able to call us back. Uh, he he had to hold there for a while. So okay, okay. Right, go ahead. All right. So let's let's uh, uh, let's talk about this episode. This sort of to get our discussion started tonight. Um, what about Rick and Bubba? I think a lot of, especially our listeners who are in the South, have heard of the Rick and Bubba radio show. It's syndicated yeah. at a lot of places around. Yeah. They're, they're out of Birmingham, Alabama, but they, their show is syndicated around. And a lot of people in the South have heard of Rick and Bubba. Yeah. And Rick, uh, of the Rick and Bubba show, is Rick Burgess. And I'm just going to read this short little article that was on, the, on one of the news stations in Birmingham. It says, Rick Burgess took to his radio show on Friday morning to discuss a sensitive subject, his bisexual daughter. According to our news partners, partners at uh, Alabama.com, Rick Burgess and his wife Sherry addressed the issue by focusing on a literal interpretation of Scripture. He said he hopes his daughter finds her way back home to God. Quote, I told you before, I'll say it again, you're my daughter and I will always love you. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. I'm not going to come up with some version of love that really isn't love at all that pats you on the back to justify you all the way to hell, Burgess said. His daughter Brandy wrote about her bisexuality in an open letter to Alabama.com saying she has, quote, been used as an example of sin and cast in the role of the modern-day prodigal daughter. Brandy says she wants to provide another side to her father's weighty voice and give hope to LGBT children in evangelical households. She does not want to give the impression she is disparaging her father. All right. So that's the sort of the news story that caught our attention. And, 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 of course, that was maybe what made us think about this would be an important thing for us to discuss on the virtual Bible study. I was, I was kind of troubled in, in that, that the people reporting this said that this Rick Burgess and his wife focused on a literal interpretation of scripture you know and the idea is anybody who opposes anybody about anything is some kind of literal fanatical extremist i want to tell you if 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 it takes some kind of fanatical literal uh, unwarranted literal translation or interpretation of the scripture in order to condemn bisexual conduct in a person then we're without hope. There's no way to interpret the scripture. If if that seems to people to be an out of bounds, excessively literal interpretation of scriptures to condemn that sort of immoral activity, what are we to do? It is an easy way to relegate any teaching you don't like by saying, "Well, you're to, you have to interpret that literally." To I mean, oh yeah, you, that's literal. You're you're being a literalist. Oh, aren't it you? doesn't mean that. I yeah. mean, if it, if it, if if it, if that activity is not condemned in the scriptures, 
then what activity would be condemned? I mean, you you just you there's no ground to stand on there. Yeah. But uh, that that was just sort of a, a passing shot at the at the scriptures. I yeah, think that's just what this reporter said. We yeah. don't even know who this yeah. reporter yeah. was. But uh, it, it, in a way to condemn without saying that. But Rick uh, Burgess is taking uh, some heat there for coming out and saying this is wrong. And even though you're my daughter, I'm still going to say it's wrong. And I like the fact that he, he says, I'm not going to just pat you on your back all the way to hell. Yeah. What do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, and I think it's really interesting that he said, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Yeah. In other words, if he didn't love his daughter, I, I see, this is what I don't think people realize. Sometimes love means, you know, being hard on the person who is, is in sin. Uh, and being strict and drawing a line and 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 saying you're wrong, uh, and I think that's where a lot of people are missing it uh, on this very touchy emotional subject of of wayward family members. I you know uh, it, it's hard to say you're wrong. It's hard to say I believe you're in a lost condition. It's hard to say I can't have uh, a normal. A, a normal relationship with you anymore because you've made a choice that I can't condone. Those are hard things. But as as I don't know, I don't know this Rick Burgess. I don't know his religious affiliation at all. But I have to admire the fact that he says that's wrong, and I'm not going to act like it's not wrong. Uh, and uh, I'm going to love you enough to tell you. All and right. I'm not going to. He said I'm not going to justify you all the pat you on the back and justify you all the way to hell. The way I've said that before is it seems like some people are intent <clears throat> on letting their family members go to hell in a good humor. You know, they're going to go to hell, but at least I don't want them to be mad at me while they're going. Sometimes people get mad. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. That line is open. Oh, a good time to call in now and let us know your thoughts. So, what do you think about uh, the statement that this uh, popular DJ has made about his daughter? Or send your comments in the chat room. We'd love to take them there. Uh, did he do the right thing? Did he go too far? Or uh, what do you think? Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Time for a break. When we get back, um, we'll talk some more about this and uh, get into the story of the prodigal son. You know, it's it's ironic that she said he's framing me as the prodigal daughter or prodigal child. Well, it looks an awful lot like you are. But uh, what did we learn from the prod- the father of the prodigal son? Well, we can get to that when we get back from the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after. Well, let me get this ready right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Wearing a cross cannot take the place of bearing a cross. The cross bearers here will be the crown wearers over there. The man who walks with God always knows in what direction he's going. 
Christians are the only product where the content improves while the packaging deteriorates. He who plants kindness reaps love. If there is no God, then nothing really matters. But if there is a God, then nothing else really matters. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, dealing with wayward family members, certainly a delicate and... uh, uh, difficult subject tonight, and we're going to look at what the scriptures see, teach. We're looking at uh, the popular DJ who made a made a stir when he told uh, his listeners that uh, his daughter was wrong, and he couldn't stand behind her, and he couldn't support her, and he couldn't give her the impression uh, that he was okay with her lifestyle. Uh, before we get into a little more specific, and I do want to look closely at that parable of the prodigal son, especially focusing on the father of the prodigal son, but, you know... <sighs> Wouldn't you say that it's natural that I do not want to be alienated from my family? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be alienated, from, I don't, especially my close family. I, I do not want there to be anything, any issue between us. I don't want there to be any conflict or difficulty. I want everything to be happy and harmonious. But we gotta, we got to realize that sometimes that's just not possible. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 12... Uh, beginning verse 51, Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on the earth? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus said that, that because of him and because of serving him and because of the truth that he taught, sometimes it would be divisive even in families. Yeah. Now, yeah. I want to say something. If I wouldn't divide with my family member, whoever it may be, however close in family it might be, if I, w- if, if, if I would not accept the reality of such division because I, I just don't want to be alienated from family, I, in fact, maybe even making the argument, I can't believe that Jesus would want me to be alienated from my family. Then I'm ignoring what he plainly taught. He said that there would be such divisions sometimes, on, uh, that not, that would be a necessary consequence. It's not out of the question that it's, there's going to have to be division, Yeah, um, even among family, even among close family. We've got yeah. the father-son, mother-daughter yeah. relationship yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a difficult thing, but we've got to be willing to do that. Let's go uh, to the phone and try it again. This time, Kevin, Kevin, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Are you there, Kevin? Can I hear you? Oh, well, I don't Talk know. Talk to the phone. Uh, let's see here, Kevin. If we can get Kevin, go ahead. Are you there, Kevin? Kevin, can... Uh, let's see if we can get you again here, Kevin. Hold on a second. Well, he's there. We just can't get him plugged in here. Let's see if we can go ahead. I can hear that when you click it in, but right. yeah. somehow or another, yeah, he's not. Kevin, not, keep talking to us, We're not Kevin. getting Kevin. Let's see. Go ahead and uh, you talk there for a minute, okay. Kevin. You can keep talking as well. I'll try and get you plugged in here. Go okay. ahead. Before we, as we go along that, Monty, got any thoughts along that line? You know, as we was talking about what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter nineteen. We just lost Monty. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. In Matthew chapter nineteen, verse twenty-nine, it says, "Everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life." That forsaken means, in the way I understand it, you may have to turn your back on these things. Yeah. Uh, it, it talks about father or mother, wife, children, or lands. They, there's going to come sometimes, regrettably, circumstances where people fall away, and you have to be like this Rick. I love you, and I'll always love you, but I'm not going to condone what you're doing 
And if, as long as you're acting that way, we can't associate together. We can't have a normal relationship. Yeah, Jesus said you're gonna have, sometimes you're going to have to give up things in order to be faithful to him. Yeah. And that's a, that's a hard thing. Um, the, uh, uh, but but think, uh, you and I were talking about this earlier, Monty. If I would not be willing to, to draw the line, if it comes to that, I wouldn't be, if I'm not willing to draw the line over the Lord Jesus Christ and, and faithfulness to Him, what would I be willing to draw the line over, you know? I mean, unfortunately, we see families that get divided all over, over all kinds of things. How many times have we known family, for instance, that would fall out with one another over some kind of inheritance yeah. or fam- a money matter? Well, this is way more than important than a money matter or an inheritance. So, if if I wouldn't, if I'm unwilling to draw that line and accept the consequence, uh, if so, if if a, a family member leaves the Lord, then what would I be willing to divide with my family over? Let's go back and try Kevin again. Kevin, can you hear us now? Kevin, are you there? Oh no, oh, we were so close. I can hear him here. He's just not hearing us. All right, go. Well, and give it a you there, Kevin. Keep going, guys. Okay. Keep going. I thought I had him. All right. We we obviously have not got we. In fact, I think that's the first phone call, first couple of phone calls we've had on this new equipment, and it's and we it haven't is. got our wires connected right. It is. All right. I got just about got it. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. All right. Um, so we we thought that maybe we could go to the parable of the prodigal son, which is so well known in Luke chapter fifteen. Uh, probably, if not the best known, one of the best known parables that Jesus ever taught was that of the the parable of the prodigal son. And well, let's so try I, let's try Kevin one more time. Kevin, are you there now? No, Kevin, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, we're probably just going to have to abandon. Phone no, calls we're going to we're going to keep going. Keep going. Okay. Uh, most of the emphasis, whenever we study this parable, is on the prodigal himself. And then sometimes we have a secondary application in regards to the elder brother uh, and what he uh, did as reaction to his brother coming home. Uh, but I want to just emphasize tonight in our study uh, what the father did and specifically what he didn't do. Um, so it, it, it might be worthwhile to read the first part of this of this parable and then we'll, we'll base our uh, observations on that. Let me start in Luke chapter 15. Verse 11, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided them unto, he invited unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. But he arose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great... And so he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And then you know how the story goes on. So I was thinking about some of the things that the father of the prodigal son did not do. Uh, And the first thing uh, that I observe is that he did not try to justify his son's sinful actions. Right. 
you know, a lot of parents make that mistake. Uh, that even when their children have done some really horrible things, devastating wrongs, uh, parents <clears throat> will make excuses for them. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's even been instances, and we've known of some of them, where parents actually changed their position. Now I've lost you. Okay. Uh, the parents have, uh, have changed their position on basic moral issues. If it just happens that their son or daughter uh, followed that sinful route. A while back, there was a story of a, of a congressman from Ohio. I think he's a senator, Rob Portman from Ohio, who back in the 90s was one of the sponsoring uh, legislators to, of the Defense in Marriage Act. The Defense in Marriage Act was that which said marriage is between one man and one woman. Uh, and specifically, it was to uh, keep from... The, the dilemma we are in now with same-sex marriages. Uh, so this Rob Portman from Ohio uh, sponsored the Defense of Marriage Act, but later he came out in support of same-sex marriage. So he, he changed. He ma- made a 180. He'd been against same-sex marriage. had even tried to sponsor legislation to avoid it. But then he came out in favor of same-sex marriage, and you know what it was that got him to change his position? He had a son who came out as a homosexual. Yeah. And so because his son came out as a homosexual, it caused that man, Rob Portman, senator from Ohio, to change his position on a basic moral issue. And and you're just left to wonder, well, what would it take to get him to change on other moral issues, you know? But we've seen parents do that same sort of thing on other things uh, that their kids get involved in. Uh, they try to justify their kids, and maybe even the parents alter their basic doctrinal positions in order to justify what their children have done. And and when you look at at the father of the prodigal son, there wasn't any of that. Uh, you know, he he wasn't offering excuses, and he wasn't trying to justify his son in what he did. And I think that's a I think that's a major point to make. Any yeah. thoughts, Monty? Well, um, that's what we have to do because God's word says what it says. And if it happens that one of my family members that I dearly love is decided to live in violation of that, God's word hasn't changed. They're the one that's changed. They're the one that needs to alter their outlook. But God's still God, and his word hasn't changed. It's, it's still there, and we've still got to go by it. It may be inconvenient or uncomfortable. We may not like it necessarily, but it's still what it says. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's go to the phone. I think we've got it figured out now. now. Oh, we do have it figured out a little bit hot there. Kevin is uh, on the line. Kevin, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Hey, we finally got you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah good talk to you, Greg and Jacob. Uh, I, was, I think this fits right in with what we're uh, at this point in the program. Uh, I had a, uh, some brethren that had a different issue for dealing with family that they wanted to omit uh, following the steps necessary in Matthew 18. And so they said that doesn't apply because this is a family matter. And that was going to over, you know, override their adherence. The things they would normally do with any other member in following the steps to bring someone to repentance. But they omitted that because it's a family member. said, well, it's just a family matter. Well, you have to take care of it a different way. And I don't know what that way was, but they... Yeah, uh, that's, that's my point that I... yeah I, I think that I've run into that same situation. And, 
And I want to talk about that uh, as we get into this discussion. Maybe I actually kind of had that lined up for the last uh, observation we want to make. Is it different? Is there a difference when the person that has fallen away is a family member, a close family member, a distant family member? How, how would we react? Should we react differently? Is it different if it's a family member? And I think that's, a, I think that's really a worthy question, Kevin. All right, well, I'll go up there and listen to that offline. Okay. Well, what's your 20 tonight, Kevin? Uh, getting very close to Jackson. All right. Okay. We know right where you're at. Be okay. safe hey, on the thanks road. For calling in. Thanks for calling in, uh, Kevin. Ahead of Kevin. Safe travels. Good to talk to you, gentlemen. All right, thank Bye-bye. you. All right, now we do have the phone line we're working in. We're welcome to take your call now at 877-381-4567. All right. All right, so how are we doing on We're time? about time for a break. Why don't we do that? We'll come we'll back go. and get some more st- uh, topics here on the prodigal son because – Lots of stuff to learn. I mean, this is a, a well, it's a prodigal. I mean, a parable, but it's a it so-called fits, it it's a true scenario that we're yeah. talking about tonight. Yeah. And uh, we'll get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll get your thoughts. Uh, give us a call eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. I'm Trent Haynes, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a reminder about the update mailing list for the virtual Bible study. Every Thursday, shortly after noon, an email message is sent out with information about the topic for discussion on that evening's program. You're invited to start sending feedback and comments that are then included during the broadcast. If you'd like to be added to our update list, just send a message to questions at collegeview.com and put add me to the list in the subject line. That's all there is to it. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Those who suffer physical handicaps are, of course, limited in their ability to effectively accomplish certain manual tasks. We sympathize with their hardships and are sensitive to their special needs. Sadly, there are many who, while having no physical impairment, are seriously handicapped by their own attitudes and actions. Among the worst of these injuries is the common malady of pride. Consider some of the constraints that result from pride. First, pride keeps one from accepting helpful advice and constructive criticism. Thus, the proud man misses out on the benefits he could gain through the words of wisdom offered by others. Proverbs 10, verse 8. Secondly, pride prevents one from being corrected when he is wrong. He simply can't accept that something he has said or done could be an error. He feels a heavy burden to justify himself regardless of how glaring his mistake may be. He is simply blind to his own faults. See Revelation 3:17, Galatians 6, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2. Third, pride keeps one in a continual state of strife and contention. He is forever at odds with someone over something. Proverbs 13.10 and Proverbs 28.25 Fourth, pride blocks confession and repentance. Both of these are essential to gaining forgiveness. 1 John 1.8-10, Luke 13.3 Therefore the proud person continues in his sin, ignoring the pleas of faithful brethren to turn back. And finally, pride will ultimately keep one out of heaven. Read Mark 7 verses 20-23. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ. Find out more about us by visiting the website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, and uh, get one of those bumper stickers while the getting is good. Yeah, we, got two, we got two varieties. Tell, tell us you what want you want. The big the one oval, or the little one? The oval or the, or the long skinny. One. They're, and they're it, neither one real large. but either, Neither one of them full bumper sticker size. No. They're not too obstructive. Obstructive on your on your back window there, maybe. 
Uh, tell us which one you want. Questions at collegeview.com. Help us get the word out. And it might be like Steve where it helps you potentially get a study with someone. Yeah, Steve in Texas. That's Questions right. at collegeview.com is the way you get that, that bumper sticker. We'd like to help you. Uh, we'd like you to help us get the word out. All right, we're talking yeah. about, we'll go ahead. We're talking oh, about well, wayward members, family, yeah. especially family members on the program tonight. How do you deal with them? And, uh, well, somebody's hacked my name in the chat room. Jacob is in the chat Jacob room. Jacob S. No, that's a different Jacob. Yeah. Uh, verse 32 of Luke chapter 15 points this out well. The father recognizes the prodigal was dead and lost when in his sins. And that is a very important point. Thank you for that, Jacob. Because we were just talking about the fact he didn't try to justify him. In fact, he identified him. He had, uh, in verse 32, uh, Jacob points out that uh, the brother was dead and he is was alive. lost. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So he he, he didn't minimize that, it. He didn't he didn't minimize what his son had done or the situation he was in while he was still out there in sin. He yeah. was dead and lost and dead. Right. I think that's a really good point, Jacob. Okay. Thank you for sending that in the Thank chat you. room. Thank you. Uh, so first thing we observed about the father of the prodigal is he didn't try to justify his son's sinful actions. Secondly, he didn't continue a normal relationship with his son. Um, they, they had their, their relationship was totally altered now. Yeah. It wasn't like it was before. It was a totally altered relationship. Who changed it? Who changed? The, the, the change in relationship was because of the son. It was because of the prodigal son. It was because of what he decided to do. And so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're so, you're, you, what a mean parent that you would cut it off with your child, or what a mean uh, relative that you wouldn't have anything to do with this family member. Well, Whose fault is that? Who 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 changed? Who made the difference? Who left? Who left? And in this case, it was the prodigal son, and that's the way it is. When here we are, we're working along together in harmony in the family and as followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then this family member decides to depart from the Lord. We're still where we were. They're the one who has left. Who's who bears the burden of, of for this? Whose fault is it? Who caused this division? I think that's really something that has to be considered. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to and we have we need to be honest. Does my association with this family member, whoever it may be, put me in a position of compromise? I think, Monty, that's something we have to answer. Can I continue to associate with Uncle Jim or Aunt Sally or maybe cousin Mark or Dad or, Dad. or Mom or yeah. little Susie? Can I continue to associate with this person without putting myself in? Can I do this with a clean conscience and not feel that I'm compromising myself in any way to do so? I think that's a question we have to answer, Monty. Well, to be serious about it, when God, as we're going to talk about, tells us there's certain people that we're not to associate with, and and it doesn't refer to them as what your relationship with them is. It refers to them with the sin that's in their life. People that are committing certain sinful activities and won't repent of it, we're told not to even eat with them. Well, it doesn't say unless you happen to like them real well because of some family relationship. It says mark that person, note them, and change that relationship. Don't even eat with them. It did, you know. It, it don't matter what the relationship with is. God said, don't do it. The uh, the thing of it is with the uh, uh, father of the prodigal son. It, it wasn't normal. So many family members want everything to be normal. They, you know, none of us like confrontation. Nope. I think some people live in denial. They yeah. refuse to admit that my family is dysfunctional. Yeah. 
And and yeah, it's denial and and I don't want the confrontation. I don't want I don't have to deal with it. I just want everything to be normal. And so if they're going to do that, then I guess they'll do that, but I I just want everything I don't want to have to deal with it. You know, I just want It's not normal when someone decides to make a decision like that. It's it's not normal. It wasn't in the case of the prodigal son and his father. Uh, let's go real quickly to the next point. I think this is a big one too. He didn't try to bail his son out of the trouble he'd gotten himself into. Yeah. And and he didn't, and I think this is an important word, he didn't enable him right. to continue in that sinful right. life. You know, this boy was in bad shape, you know. And a few bucks from his dad would have been very helpful to him when he got so hungry that he was eating the hog slop. And, you know, that wasn't an easy thing for a father to say, you know what? I'm going to let him go He hungry. made that bed. He's going to lay in it. Yeah, I'm going to let him go hungry. I'm going to let him eat the pig food. If that's what, if, if, if that's what, because I think in the story, of course, it's a, it's a parable. It's a story. But you have to believe that a father in that situation realizes if he's ever going to come out of that, he's going to have to feel the heat he's going to have to suffer the consequences of the decisions he's making but if i just go on and uh, as if everything's normal and especially if i do things that enable him to stay in that situation then he's never going to get right and so and then you've become responsible for it yourself it's not just that my son is off and living in sin and doing what he shouldn't be doing but I'm responsible if I enable him to do it. Then I'm participating with him in that sin. Even though I might not physically be doing it, I have made it where he can, so therefore I'm a participant with him in yeah. it. And again, and again, I think there are way too many family members who are doing that very thing, that by their actions, they, they would say, I don't go along with that, I would never do that myself. But by their actions, they're actually enabling their family member to continue in that situation. Yeah, if I could recommend a sermon along these lines that Donnie Rader preaches an excellent sermon about this. If you want to just do a Google search, don't do it now. Wait for about another 22 minutes till we're done talking. But Google Donnie Rader, The Wayward Son, and it's his sermon, The Wayward Son Comes Home, and he makes that point very effectively about how the, the father of the prodigal son, uh, how he handled the situation. And we got we, maybe we jump to the end of the story. The way he handled the situation worked. Yeah, and sure. It, it, effect, it affected... The outcome that we all want when we have a wayward family member. And uh, check out Donnie's sermon, The Wayward Son Comes Home. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Another point about the prodigal father, the father of the prodigal, we should say. The father of the prodigal. He didn't offer unconditional forgiveness to the boy. You know, we've got some people who think that you just got to forgive. Irregardless of what the guilty party does, irregardless of what the offending person does, you just got to forgive. Well, you don't see that in the case of the father of the prodigal son. He was ready to forgive. He was anxious to forgive. He wanted to forgive, but he didn't forgive until the prodigal son came and and confessed his sin and and asked, sought forgiveness, sought a relationship with his father again. The the father didn't just unilaterally forgive. And we got a lot of people who think that's what you got to do. You just got to forgive, irregardless of what that guilty person continues to do or. Uh, before and without confession and repentance, you just forgive them. You don't see that in this story. All right. 
And so, you know, we've talked before about forgiveness, uh, and that's sort of this sort of overlaps with that broader question of, of forgiveness. But you don't see unconditional forgiveness in the case of the father, the prodigal son. Well, it made it more serious. If we can't unconditionally forgive, then we have a need to want to try and restore I want to, uh, yeah, that makes me want to work harder at it, but also keeps pressing the consequence of this decision on the guilty party. Guess 1993 in the chat room uh, maybe clarifies something we may have said in there. He didn't eat pig food. He wanted to, but no one gave him any. Okay. So he wasn't right. eating pig food. Yeah. Uh, yes, thanks for that yeah. clarification. He was in such bad shape, he couldn't even get the pig food. Couldn't get pig food. Now, certainly, yeah. you know, you see, uh, that certainly would be very heart-wrenching for a father to see that going on with, her, with his son, Monty. Uh, and it would have been very tempting. Well, we're not going to just make his life easy, but we'll just give him a little something here to help him out. No? no, I could at least give him groceries, you know. Yeah, right. But if you gave him the groceries, then you're enabling him to stay in the far country, living. It, the money he would have spent to buy groceries, now he can go spend it in prodigal living. So you've still, you enabled him, you're participating with him in the sin. Exactly right. All right. <clears throat> Difficult things we're talking about here, but uh, some important lessons to learn from the prodigal son. Yeah, and then the last point I want to make is, so uh, let me run through these quickly again. I, this is off an article that I wrote about this some time back. He didn't try to justify his son or make excuses. He didn't continue a normal relationship with his son. He didn't rush to bail his son out or enable him to keep continuing in his sinful lifestyle. He didn't forgive him unconditionally. And finally, and I think this is a really important point, and I think all family members who have this issue, whether it's father, son, daughter, mother, uncle, cousin, when, it, when you have a family member that's wayward, but this is true really for any Christian who falls away, you never give up, and you never give hope. You never give up hope, uh, and uh, you know I think it's so poignant when we read about the prodigal son coming home, and his father saw him coming from a from afar off, from a distance. It makes you think that the story is told by Jesus so wisely here, with the idea that the father was anxious always hoping, continually working and desiring that his son would be right. And and he made it easy for his son to come back. He didn't he didn't throw up extra barriers. He didn't he didn't make it a uh, any harder than it had to be for that son to say, you know, I'm I've sinned. I'm no worth no longer worthy to be called your son. All right. Uh, important uh, lessons there for us at, from that uh, story. Again, he's, he, he accomplished the goal that we all want with the, with the wayward family member, and the way that he takes the, the course and the action that uh, is taken is certainly effective to accomplishing that. We're talking about uh, some difficult things on the program tonight, maybe taking some hard positions, some difficult uh, gut-wrenching positions. Ever known it to work? Oh, yeah, but you you don't know because you've never been through it. Or I don't know because you've, you've never had a, a child. You never had a, a dear loved one who's, who's gone through that. And so it's easy for you to say that because you never had to do it yourself. Uh, I, I thank God that I haven't had to do that, uh, but Monty has. And, and I admire Monty for being so strong to do what God's Word would encourage him to do. Thank you, Monty. That's a difficult thing. Well, it just ultimately boils down to I want to go to heaven. If I want to go to heaven, I've got to do what the Bible says. The Bible says we have to withdraw from people that are not walking in order in the proper way that God would have them to walk. It doesn't matter who they are. It's I want to go to heaven, so I have to do what God says, and that's yeah. all it boils down to. Yeah. And it's not just about you going to heaven, Monty. It's about the one that you're trying to concern, to, to convert. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you know you can you can throw that accusation at me or Jacob that we haven't had to deal with that, but Monty has, and and it's not easy. It's, it's 
I got to believe it's one of the most heart wrenching things any person could ever deal with, but it doesn't change the reality. And, and but you know, and, and it works um, from personal experience. I I know of, of well, that it has worked in the past when yeah. people take this position and yeah. don't compromise. Yeah, you compromise, and it doesn't take much compromise, Monty, mm-hmm. to run the whole effort. No, you compromise a little bit. Well, we'll do Christmas, but we won't do Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, you know, you've lost it. So, All right, let's take our last okay. break. When we come back, what if it's a real close family member? Would would there be any distinction or difference? You know, okay, it's my cousin. Well, I hardly ever see that cousin anyway, so it's pretty easy for me to deal with him that way. But what if it's someone much closer in my family? Would it be different? <clears throat> Could there be a distinction? We want to spend our last thing. That's what Kevin called us about when he was on the high, from the highway just a few minutes ago. And uh, I hope Kevin can still pick us up and hear us. And we'll try to deal with that when we come back. From All this right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. If you'd like to call in, we'd love to take your thoughts. Uh, questions at collegeu.com. And the chat room's gone a little quiet tonight. Uh, sign in there and comment with other listeners. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Three quarters of Americans, 75%, claim to have prayed to God in the last week. This corresponds well with the 73% who self-identify as Christian. Following prayer, the next most common activity of this group is attending a church service with more than one-third of adults, 35%, having sat in a pew in the last seven days. 34% claim to have read the Bible on their own. About one in six American adults have either volunteered at a nonprofit, 19%, or at a church, 18%, in the last week. Slightly fewer attended Sunday school, 17%. That information is via Barna Research. The Word of God says in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour. So we talk about uh, the difficult subject of dealing with wayward family members. Uh, we're getting a little personal tonight. It's, uh, this is a question and a, an issue that many of us will have to face. How do we deal with those wayward family members? Uh, the, the final question we sent out is, is there a difference between how we could or should react to a family member who falls away versus some other Christian who falls away? Now, there's some plain statements uh, in passages like, and Monty, you referenced this just a, a few moments ago in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, where Paul was talking about an erring brother in the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9, I wrote to you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet if... Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I've written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one 
know not to eat. All right, so I think that's probably one of the better-known statements in regards to withdrawing ourselves from a wayward brother. Uh, that's not the only place. there, And we've talked about it. We've got whole programs in the archives of the Virtual Bible Study where we talk about what we often refer to as church discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6, We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. Um, and then later in that same chapter, uh, he says, uh, verse 14, If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's so that's so plain. That's that's so straightforward. And and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that never do that, that never take those actions, that never identify those who've fallen away, who never withdraw themselves from those who fall away. I, I just think it's so plain, so easy. If it's that guy, you know, I'm I'm not related to him. You know, I've seen I've I've been going to church services with him for a while, but I don't even know him that well. Truth be known, we never ate together in the first place. I don't think I ever, uh, you know, was around him in the setting of a common meal. Anyway, it's real easy to say I'm not going to eat with that guy in the future. Right? That's easy. What's hard is if it's a family member, and that's what we're talking about today. You know, dealing with wayward family members. If it's a family, especially if it's a close family member, then it gets a, 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 it's it's much more difficult to apply. All right. Now, here's my question: Is there any way in which a near family member would be treated in any way different from that guy that I really never had a common meal with in the first place? Yeah. Here, let, let me tell you a scenario that I knew personally years and years ago in a church. A man became unfaithful to the Lord, and the church withdrew from him. His wife was a Christian as well, and a member of that same congregation. And the elders of that church told her that she couldn't eat with him, that she couldn't sit down at the kitchen table with him, that her responsibility was to fix his food, sit on the table, leave the room. I always thought that that, there was something wrong with that picture because even their instruction to her implied that she had wifely duties to her husband. Fix his food, put it on the table, leave the room. And I don't want to be indelicate here, but she had intimate responsibilities to her her husband as well. I mean, she's still his wife and she's still bound by the rules of intimacy between husband and wife. She can't sit down to eat a meal with him, but she can go and have intimate relations with him. That's something about that just doesn't work for me. Somehow or another, that, and so my position on that is that in an instance like that, there, 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 in other words, that man and woman that I just described are brother and sister in Christ. And that brother and sister in Christ relationship has been changed by virtue of what he chose to do but the husband-wife relationship has not been altered her duties to him as a wife have not changed and so that's a mitigating factor in my mind that's a mitigating factor and those things have to be harmonized you have to take that together 
Now, that's obviously the closest of family relationships, uh, like no other, obviously. I'm willing to grant that in a case of husband and wife, there might be some mitigating, complicating considerations to take to factor in. There are some commands that have to be kept. The marriage relationship has yeah. certain commands right. that are involved with that. As you were talking about the intimacy yeah. and things like that, those commands have to be kept. So even though the relationship may have changed in some respect, we've still got to fulfill our marital obligations. Yeah. That's not been excused. Yeah. yeah. Another scenario you can think of is let's say that you have a, a, a child, 13 years old, becomes a Christian. They turn 14. They fall away. I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. I mean, that, that's on, on, not a, often heard, but you'd have a statement like First uh, Timothy 5, verse 8, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially those from his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. So you'd have some obligations as a parent to that child, um, perhaps, uh, that you'd have that would override. Or So, so we got to harmonize this. We've uh, we got to take into account all that would pertain to a given situation. Yeah. Uh, to me, that, that husband and wife one clearly establishes a, a concept that has to be considered. But my question is, and, and, and a, 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 a minor child would be close. It wouldn't be as clear, but it would be close to, in my mind, as clear but beyond that, I I can't you know uh, what if it's a what if it's a cousin? No, I'm not going to do that for a cousin. What if it's a an aunt or uncle? No, I'm not going to do that for an aunt or uncle. What if it's a a grown child, not a not a dependent child, but a grown child or a parent or a parent? I'm not going to go there because because I think that the power of this action of withdrawing myself from the person is so critical. I, I can't withdraw myself totally from my wife because I have not only Christian brother responsibilities to my wife, I have husband responsibilities. So I, I can't sever that completely. But if it's anybody else, uh, with the possible exception of a minor dependent child, if it's anybody else... I can sever those relationships. Yeah. I, I can I can draw that line and say I'm not going to I'm not going to go there because I want that person to know so clearly that they're lost. That as the prodigal uh, the, the father the prodigal son said he he's lost and he's dead. I want them to know that that's what I think about where they are. Yeah. Um, uh, let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. You know what? You think about that that action. Does that is there any more? Shame that could be invoked. That's part of the thing we're doing here is revoking shame. Is there any more shame that could be evoked than if you do with that close family member? If, it, for instance, a father goes goes astray and the son has to say, "Dad, I can't associate with you anymore." Is there any more shame that that could be evoked than in that close relationship? I mean, the church does it. That's one thing, but my son doesn't have anything to do with me anymore, or my or my father doesn't want to have anything to do with me anymore, or my mother says that she can't associate with that anymore. I don't know that you, there's any more powerful uh, action that could be taking place. You know, when you think about it, as we mentioned a minute ago, there may be people in the congregation that I barely know who they are, and I didn't associate with them particularly anyway. So a congregational withdrawal, I wasn't associating with them. But it doesn't really change anything. But if it's a family member, I may be the only one that can affect them. To, for If I yeah. have to tell my son or daughter... I'm not going to associate with you anymore because of the behavior that you're that you're displaying. 
I might be the only one that can make that difference because maybe that my son or daughter, maybe they who, didn't hang out with the people at church particularly anyway. Who would be more in a position to affect that that's change? Right. Yeah, you're, you've got the most leverage, if you want to use that concept. I don't know if that's a, a really good word to use, but you, who would have more power over such a person to bring them to repentance? In the chat room, Jeff says, while family members would tug at our heartstrings more, we should treat all lost people equally and that every soul is precious to God and we should... Uh, want to uh, do what we can to help them to get to heaven. If a child was in the middle of the road with an 18-wheeler bearing down on them, we would and should help that child, whether it's our chi- our child or someone else's. So Jeff says do whatever you can to uh, affect that repentance. And Kevin comments, his wife is now driving, so he's free to type oh, here. Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, he says his example earlier when he was on the phone was between a father and dealing with his erring daughter, omitting Matthew 18 in favor of dealing with the un faithfulness as a family member he loves his daughter dearly and made emotional pleas regarding his reason for dealing with the family matter internally uh within the to the family or within the family i guess even though the unfaithfulness was known to the whole church so rather than let the, letting the, the handling it in a public manner he wanted to handle it privately uh perhaps not following the the uh pattern of yeah. Church discipline. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Jacob in the chat room says, uh, could it be a different situation when uh, the wayward is a spouse? Uh, he references First Peter 3, verses 1 through 2, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. Yeah, I think so, and I think that's what we tried to explain. It could be somewhat different. But you would still, even at that, if it was your spouse, you'd still want them to know that you do not approve their action, and you're still trying desperately to bring them to repentance. You're not condoning. Yep. And guess 1993 asks, does the verse prohibit having dinner with people of the world? No, it, it does not. It says so. In verse 9. Uh, in verse 10. 10 yeah. uh, it prohibits having a meal with someone who claims to be a brother. If a person confesses themselves to be a Christian, but they are sleeping with his father's wife, as in Corinthians, uh, then break fellowship? Would the command do not exasperate your child would still be in effect for the believing father? I, well, no, I don't think it I, mean, I don't. So you're not supposed to. I don't want to. Uh, here's my son, and he's fallen away from the Lord. I don't want to make him mad. I don't want to make him angry. No, I really don't want to make him mad or angry. I want him to repent. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not its not an effort to exasperate the situation. It's, it's an effort to express just how deeply I care about this person and love them and want them to repent. Okay. If, if doing what the Bible says in this matter exasperates our child, then our child has got a bad attitude. Their attitude is not the type of attitude that, that the Bible describes anyway. And so I've got to obey God. And if me obeying God exasperates my child, that's my child's problem. It's not nothing that, that I'm responsible for. Yeah. yeah. Now, we're just about out of time, aren't we? Yeah, we're we very close. Now, I want to make this point. Uh, because I can see, and I hope that we've explained, and I, I think the three of us are in agreement about this, that there, there is in, in close family relationship, especially a husband and wife, and as you suggested, Jacob, a, a minor dependent child, since we can see that there could be mitigating family circumstances and some judgments to be made, you've got to apply. So we're saying if persons in those kind of circumstances would have to exercise judgment, then although I know what my judgment would be, Jacob, for instance, here you are, my oldest grown child, 
I know what I'm going to do if you become a faithful Lord. I've already got my mind made up. It's been made up for a long time. And you know what my mind is on that. Right. And and uh, so there won't be any equivocating when it comes to that. Uh, I know what I'm going to do. It's not going to be Thanksgiving dinner as normal if you do that. Right. But I'm going to I'm going to say that because I understand there's some judgment to be applied here. Somebody else's judgment about that might be slightly different than mine. Make sure you you're, you're doing it in in good conscience before That's right. God. That's and right. We, don't I'm compromise gonna, yourself. I'm gonna, don't compromise. But I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave some room for people to make some judgments about that. There's some judgments as to when do I make that decision, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, now do I do it now or do I wait for a month or so so we can maybe have some more time to work through some things? Yeah. Some judgment as to when and who and how, how. long and yeah. Yeah. So we need to give some room for judgment. But certainly, we've got to understand, it is not beyond the pale to expect that you would have to do this. Again, Jesus yeah. said he came to set Father against And, and, and if son. this wouldn't lead to that, what what possibly could? Yeah. Right. And the enemy, one's foes will be those of his own household. Yeah. God, Jesus expect he came. That's why he, he came, to for us to take a stand for right and wrong. Yeah. Whatever the consequences may be, and if we're not willing to do that, uh, then we've got to ask ourselves some serious questions. Yeah. Don't compromise yourself. Don't violate your conscience. Do what uh, is uh, the right thing, and have faith. Money gets down to faith. If God said that this is what we need to do, then we need to have faith that that's the right thing, and we're going to do it, and uh, trust God that it will be for the best. You know, just like preaching the word, it tells us we're to sow the seed, and God's responsible for the increase. So we're to obey God in this matter. And he's going to be responsible for the outcome of that. I, there's nothing other I can do other than obeying him and doing what he says for me to do. All right. Final thoughts, Monty? Well, it boils down to it's a tough decision when you have to deal with a, a wayward family member. But a lot of things in life are tough, so we yeah. just have to do it and do it the way the Bible says it and trust God that it's going to have the proper results. What is What is the most important thing? That's to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want my my children. I want my near family members. I want my brethren to go to heaven. And and this is part of God's plan to help that happen. And you know, I don't know that anyone would say that I don't want my son or daughter to go to heaven. But I think folks are compromising mm-hmm. and, and maybe be, maybe demonstrating the lack of faith by I'm not going to follow God's plan. I, I I think that the best way to handle this is just by showering them with love and keeping that close relationship. Well, God gave a different pattern, so and, and you've got to do you have enough that. faith to to follow it. If and you, you love them enough, you'll do what you're supposed to do in regard to them. And you and this this point that we made earlier about enabling, make sure you're however you react to this, make sure it's not enabling this one to continue in that sin. All right, good discussion tonight. Uh, um, Kevin says uh, that's why it has occurred in many of our families because it was prophesied by Jesus. Yeah, good point, exactly Kevin. Right. Are, are we going to be willing to uh, follow Jesus on this and, and be willing to take that stand? That's a, it's a it's a difficult question. It's really where the rubber meets the road. It's where our faith is tried and tested. Are we going to have faith? Or are we going to give? Yeah, exactly right. All right, Dad. Good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Monty, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you for listening. If you got questions or comments about what you've heard, maybe you disagree. Maybe you'd like. Uh, uh, to, to discuss these with us or just send us your comments. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. We'd welcome your comments at any time. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day.
you'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.